Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Today, I want to talk a little bit about power struggles and the locus of control. But first, I want to share um, with you a, a conversation I had yesterday. So there is an author. He's actually a lead pastor at St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church out in California. But he wrote this book called Hurt 2.0. Um, inside the world of today's teenagers. And he first wrote this in 2004. He updated it in 2011. I've read it several times and it resonated with me so deeply. And I reached out to him and had this amazing hour-long conversation with him about his work and what he had learned and um, just kind of finding that we were very much um, on the same path of, of what we were hoping for and, and what we wanted people to understand about teenagers. So let me explain really quickly what he did for this book. He immersed himself into teen culture for an entire year. And he would hang out at the high schools, and I know that sounds a little creepy, but he had permission for effort from everyone. Um, but it took him a while for the kids to warm up to him. And one of the things that really resonated with me that he said is one of the kids finally said to him, you don't have a hammer. And he was like, what do you mean I don't have a hammer? And the, the kid goes, you don't have a hammer. You're not going to hurt us. So we're going to trust you and talk to you. And the thing that, that was so eye-opening about that is it gives really good insight into how teens are perceiving adults and why they are so quiet and rebellious and uh, kind of avoid a lot of adults is because they've lost trust in us. And so we need to really understand where they're coming from because what we end up doing a lot of times is misreading what they're feeling and taking it as being very disrespectful and callous and snarky and really those are protective measures to protect their own ego in their own self. And there's an article, there's a poem in this book that I wanted to read that I really loved and I think just kind of gave a little bit of insight. And it's written by a high school student and it says, waking up and still being tired, trying to sleep and still being wired. All of the hectic time in between portrays the mind boggling life of a teen. Being forced to make many decisions at school, wondering if our peers will consider us cool facing the pressure of continuous stress made of never ending homework and responsible tests. Falling in love and feeling pure bliss, 
only to have your heart ripped apart and someone to miss. Knowing if your parents keep treating you this way, there's no way you'll make it through another day. We try so hard to do what's right by our kids. And we are so concerned about making sure that they do all the right things, that they don't make the mistakes and they, they, they keep themselves out of trouble. And we want to protect them. And we want to make sure they stay on the straight and narrow. And we want them to be good kids. Often though, the message that they hear is that they're not good enough the way they are. And that's why a lot of times when kids are acting out, it gets worse. It starts spiraling because the way we end up reacting to try to curb that behavior ends up actually increasing behavior, that behavior. Um, and so one thing I really wanted to talk about today is if is power struggles. And I know we get into power struggles with our teens a lot. And a lot of us think, God, our kids just a year ago, a day ago, sometimes it feels like we're so much happier and so much more willing to help and hang out with us and more affectionate and, and just what happened? Where did they go? And we just fight to get that kid back that they once were and we're not understanding that our teen is going through a developmental phase that is extremely essential for their healthy development and it's all about them realizing and establishing themselves separate from their family separate from you which is why every time you ask them to do something or give them a suggestion or anything like that, their initial reaction is to reject. I know how frustrating parents are when they come to me and they said, so my daughter told me that, you know, you helped her with this advice, blah, 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 blah. I've told her that 20 times and she's never listened to me because you're her mom. <laughs> It's different. It's, it's, they need to separate. So their initial gut reaction to anything you say is to reject it. And it's not because they don't trust you and it's not because they don't love you. It's because they need to establish themselves as separate from you. This is autonomy. And it is one of the major tasks that teenagers need to go through. So this leads us to power struggles because power struggles are what? Fights for power, fight for control. And they often erupt when we ask our teen to do something. It could be extremely kindly that we ask and in the most sincere way. And then they ignore us and then we get upset because they're not listening or complying and then they get upset and it starts to spiral out of control. And what happens is we start focusing more and more on making them 
compliant, making them listen, do as we ask, respect us, uh, give us the authority that we deserve. And they reject that because they're sitting there going, give me my space and my freedom to be in control of myself. And then we end up clashing and the fights end up being more about who's going to win control versus what the initial ask was in the first time and what the goal is in the long run. The goal becomes about winning. It becomes about not backing down and lasting longer than the other one and, and getting them again to comply. And they're not going to back down or if they do back down, it's going to be very resentfully and with the eye rolls because that's another way for them to at least feel somewhat in control is when they do it with attitude and we get annoyed with their attitude. Why can't they just do what I ask? And they can't because the way we're asking is taking control away from them. So what I want us to think about is if we know that having control and, and separating themselves and having the ability to make their own decisions is something that they desperately need and are going to fight for, how can we interact with them in a way that actually encourages that, helps them with that, promotes that? and still teaches them how to be cooperative and collaborative. And there's ways to do this. It's, it's giving them more decisions. It's giving them, um, even if you need them or ask them to help, it's giving them control over how they're going to help. Giving them choices or when they're going to do it or how they're going to do it and not giving them feedback right away if it's not done the way you want because then they start thinking, well, if I'm not going to do it right, why am I even doing this? This is what's going on through their heads. Another thing that comes up a lot, and we say this all the time, pick your battles, pick your battles. And I want to encourage us to resist thinking about it as a battle at all. Why are we battling our kids? Battling them, again, because we're battling for control. So instead of picking our battles, let's think about what is our end game? What are, what are we trying to teach them? What do we want them to learn? And is this actually teaching them that? A good example is um, a big one here is, you know, the dishes, helping with the dishes. And my daughter's now great about helping with the dishes, but it took a while to get there because I was basically saying, this is your job, go do it. And she resisted that because she hated doing it. It wasn't fun. And we kind of discussed it and it got more to the fact, you know, it's the two of us, there's a lot to be done around the house and I need your help. 
and what are some things that you can do to help? And when can you do that? How can you help me? And so the control became part of her. It, it got put back into her lap. And it wasn't saying you don't have to help. Of course she has to help. This is why. And she wants to help when it's on her terms. She loves to help when it's on her terms. So we ended up agreeing that emptying the dishwasher was one of her chores. We often do it together. We split it. And there's a lot of chores we actually split because then it gets done and neither one of us feels like it's dumped on us. We use it to we talk while we're doing it, but we also make sure it's done when it's something that, that it's done when she's able to do it. It's not me going, you drop everything you're doing and doing this right now. So I give back some control and she ends up being far more helpful on her terms. When I tell her to do it, her initial reaction is to push back. And that's just the way teens are built. That's the way human humans are built. If we're asked to do something we don't want, we're not gonna, we're, we're gonna push back. And a lot of us adults now know we gotta just suck it up sometimes and do it. Teens are learning this <laughs> and we also have to give them the tools to figure out how to do that and when to do that. But they're not going to learn how to help and be open to helping until they know they have a choice, until they know that they have some control. And once they feel like they have some control, they're going to be far more, they're going to be a lot likely, more likely to help. And what I have found is they actually love to help when it's on their terms and when you, they're recognized. Not like, oh my God, you're so great. It's just, thank you, that really helped. And knowing that they got to do that on their own terms, it was their idea. Maybe you planted it a few weeks ago, but it was their idea. That actually boosts their self-confidence. It makes them feel better. It makes them want to help more when it's a positive experience. But when we make helping a negative experience, which it often is, because it's a battle and we're forcing them and we're telling them what to do and how to do it, they don't wanna help because they associate it with a really negative experience. So we need to think about long game. We need to think about what is the end goal of this? Do we just want them to clean out the dishwasher right the second and that's the only thing that matters or do we want to help establish this sense of autonomy and to help them learn and be motivated to help on their own which then makes having them help down the road far easier and pleasant and enjoyable and I think it's just one of the easiest ways to do this is to think about how would I want to be asked? And if we're asking our teens in a way that we wouldn't like to be asked, chances are they don't like to be asked that way either. And if they push back, rather than getting angry, realize why. 
and maybe take a step back a little bit and and even say i get that i'm asking you to do something that you don't want to do and here's why i'm asking you i need your help and sometimes my my daughter will be like i don't want to do it right now and you know what there's times where i go okay i'll i'll do it and the beauty of this is most of the time when I do that, she ends up doing it because she knows she has a choice. And she'll be like, oh, no, okay, okay, I'll do it. And I don't, it's not that I throw on guilt. I don't do that. I just go, okay, I'll do it then. No biggie. And she'll often jump in and do it. So there's ways to encourage collaboration and help and participation without forcing it. And when it's not forced and it becomes a choice, they do it with far more joy, more frequently, and your life becomes so much more pleasant and enjoyable and peaceful because it's not a battle anymore. You've let go of the battle, but you have to let go. You have to be the one that lets go of the battle because they're not going to. So just think from their perspective when you can and remember also when they push back and roll their eyes and do these things that drive us nuts and feels disrespectful. It is their way of protecting their own ego and self-interest and their need to be separate from us. And if they don't have any other choice they're going to find something that they can control, which is their attitude. Um, if we want them to have a better attitude, let's give them control of something else. So this is all I wanted to say today. Again, the book is that was really good was Hurt 2.0 by um, Chap Clark. And talking to him just really inspired me because he has the same belief that I do, that it's not about teens being difficult, it's about our relationship with them and understanding them. And when we learn to understand them and we learn to work in a way that helps them grow and inspires them they can be amazing and deep and loving and enjoyable and fun and that's that's my experience with a lot of teens teens that i hear their parents complaining about i'll sit down and have amazing conversations with them because they want someone to listen and you know what? They'd rather have you listen to them than me. That's all I've got to say today. I will talk to you all later. Again, I'm Dr. Cam. And if this helped or resonated with you at all, like it, share it, write a comment. I'll see you later. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. 
make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.